Bring it in and welcome back to the Read Option Podcast. Uh, Jeff here with Scotty. Um, no veto today. He's still out in Utah. Um, before we get into anything else from the pod, um, I wanted to quick give just a quick thank you to all of our listeners um, for understanding and appreciating everything from Tuesday's pod. Um, I know I had some people reaching out and um, I just want to say thank you sincerely. Um, this has been a really tough week. It's been a really weird week from, uh, I think from a content uh, creator standpoint, what to say, when to start dabbling into talking about games, you know, how much do you even focus on what the Cincinnati Buffalo game impact of that means? Like it, it's just been a really weird week. And, and ultimately all anyone has really given a shit about and has cared about has been the health and well-being of um, DeMar. And uh, luckily, DeMar Hamlin is showing substantial signs of improvement. We are recording this at 3.40 p.m. on Thursday. So a lot of this news that has come out today, the press conference with the two main doctors from University of Cincinnati Medical Center has already happened. Um, I watched a good piece of that. The reporting on it has been excellent. Um, but we stand here, Scotty. And I know you didn't get a chance much to comment on everything. And I obviously appreciate you and Vito and both of y'all's input. So Vito sent us a message he wanted to say, and, and I'll, you know, obviously give you the floor at some point, but it's awesome to be sit, you know, sitting here on a pod after how terrifying Monday night was, how up in the air the last couple of days have felt to feel like we actually, like what we saw Monday night was a life, a life saved. Um, and that DeMar Hamlin is going to be okay, hopefully down the road. Um, and for those who haven't heard, if you haven't, we'll go through some of the details of what's come out. But um, the prognosis looks really great, and um, it's a really, really great feeling, obviously, for anyone who has supported the situation, covered it, been around it, or has been locked in on it. Today has been a really, really great day all the way around. Yeah, super encouraging. Obviously, you know, we've, we've heard ad nauseum all week about um, – the severity and the and everybody sharing the the empathetic feelings of of shock and and terror and that includes the uh the players that were on the field we saw those reactions in in real time and those are very real and raw emotions so uh you know i don't need to dive into any thing other than you know i mean i agree with with the the and share the same thoughts as most people have uh across the uh across the media landscape this week um but, you know, I just don't want it to become uh, a thing where the uh, the NFL machine rolls on um, and never stops. And, uh, and I think, you know, a lot of what I heard this week, I think some of the best uh, rhetoric came from Dominique Foxworth, who 100%. talked about his specific specific experiences um, that he's had. If you haven't, go check out some of the, some of the, the clips from him um, over the past week. They're, they're probably easily... Uh, easily researched on, uh, on YouTube or, or anywhere else, but, uh, you know, specific experience he's had with players who have suffered this and, and his main, or one of his main messages has been, uh, you know, this is everything that happened uh, in the Monday night game was terrible, but this is just one instance over thousands, uh, of, of players who have had their lives 
affected by the the by the game really whether yeah. it's by the violence of the game or or uh just you know sheer routine uh practices that that you go through playing football for 20 30 years of your life and then after the game you have uh you have what recourse so his battles with uh with the players association when he was the president of it um as well and and beyond I think are, are far reaching and just as important a conversation uh, as, as everything surrounding the, uh, the specific injury we saw Monday night. No, I, I completely agree. Um, if you, if those of you who are interested um, and we typically, we don't shy away from promoting other podcasts. Like I, I think we live in a world where people listen to a ton of different stuff. Um, but he was on the Ryan Rosillo podcast uh, on Wednesday highly highly recommend even if you don't want to listen to anything else uh on that there's a solid 25 minute interview um i think it probably took me an hour to listen to because i kept going back and wanting to make sure that i fully heard everything that he said and really really understood it because um you're right and i i would also want to make sure because i understand what you mean by this but to to further kind of uh, picture and create a picture i guess of, of what you were saying there this specific instance is one in a million, right? We, this isn't what happened to DeMar Hamlin um, was not one of thousands of football players that's happened. However, the ripple effects that football creates um, and, and subsequently the way that the league takes care of its players, uh, this fits in very well, right? This is one of those moments and um, I couldn't help but compare it to uh and I remember having this conversation the other day and Dominic Foxworth also brought it up. Um, but it's like when there's a mass shooting and everyone goes, Hey, now's not the time to talk about, you know, gun regulations, right? Now's the time for, for, for prayer thoughts and prayers. Right. Um, and that was the the mentality for a long time. Same thing with social justice, right? Like, well, now's not the time to do that. It's like bullshit. It's not. Now is not the time to talk about police brutality. Bullshit, it's not. Now is the perfect time because now is when the spotlight is shining its brightest. And out of all the things that people, because I said on on the little seven-minute pod that I did, the little message on, on Tuesday, I said, like, nothing else matters right now than DeMar uh, Hamlin. And to some degree, like, obviously in that moment Tuesday, like, I do think there is a lot of truth in that. But the one exception I will make to that is being willing to criticize the NFL. Um, for a lot of its issues, right? And the NFL has stepped up and said that it's going to essentially waive its vested rule, which for those who don't know, and it's gotten more shine this week, but uh, you have to play in the league for five years um, before you become a vested NFL player, which means getting health insurance after you retire. Um, The average length of an NFL career is a little bit over two years, um, which means that the majority of players never make it to five years, which never makes them vested players. Uh, In order to get your pension, you have to be vested, right? So you can play four years, make decent money, right? But if you retire, you get cut, you never make it to that fifth year, you don't get a pension and you don't get the health care afterwards, which by the way, is only five years of coverage before you're on your own to figure it out. Now, if you stay in the league 10 plus years, you get coverage for, I, b- I believe, for life. You get a higher pension. You end up having more success down the line, or you're taken care of more, I should say. But the league has waived this vested rule um, in regards to the DeMar Hamlin, which is great. And 
the most prominent point that, Dem- that uh, Dominique Foxworthy, Foxworth made on multiple pods and multiple platforms that he was on, and I think it's one that's worth sharing, is he was, as you pointed out, Scotty, the president of the NFL Players Association uh, during the lockout, which I believe was 2012. Um, during that lockout, the amount of people who started calling NFL players selfish, um, the owners who sat there claiming that they were losing money because of what the players were asking for in that CBA negotiation, knowing damn well that the next TV contract that was coming up would uh, more or or less double the value of their franchise over the next 10 years. Um, And if we look now, it has. So bullshit on the owners losing money. We all know that that's complete horseshit and garbage. Um, But what the point that he made that really stood out to me in that same vein was he said, where were all, you know, all these people standing here on Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning going, you know, why did it take them so long to, to cancel the game? Like we, we have to protect our players. We have to look out for them. Like I can't bear to watch this. All of this grief and everything that came out, where was that 10 years ago during that CBA? Yeah. negotiation, Right. And, and where that's was my that support back then, because that is the more important shit. And using DeMar yes. Hamlin in this horrible incident as a light to show why it's important that in the next CBA, we fix this shit is really important. And and that's part of what I mean too by the the machine rolling on. 100%. Right? Not only just that uh this instance happened, we've we've done our due diligence as a society and a fan base with with our grief and our and our emotion spilling um but at some point we got to get back to football. That's partially true too. Uh but but to to the degree that like the instant sparks fervor for uh for what now three four days and now we just roll on like nothing nothing will change in the long run uh with the with the players uh agreement with the with the collective bargaining agreement uh or anything else to that degree and to to that point the nfl on its end has at every turn time and time again and we've seen it more this year in in one season than we have uh, th- well, I, I don't want to say throughout the entire body of uh, of particularly Goodell's uh, uh, term as as commissioner, but we've seen more instances of this in one year. Like, where was this when when Tua got hurt? Right, yeah. the same kind of questions came up. He was benched for three weeks, and we forgot about it until he came back in week twelve well, I, or whatever it was. In 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 the NFL's defense, there too, they immediately because the NFLPA pushed them on it, they immediately reworked what the concussion protocol was to make right. it even stricter. But if you remember the concussion protocol, the independent spotter, all that happened four or five years ago. But when any rule comes in, what happens over time? Right, we start to bend it, we start to look for cracks, and in a sport that is so hyper competitive. And by the coaches, the players themselves, they look for ways around certain protocols and certain rules. And that will last until we let it or until something horrible happens, like what happened to Tua, who now is suffering from his third concussion already this year. And he's likely going to be done for the year because, I I mean, the Dolphins might end up making the postseason. Maybe we do see Tua again, but we also may not. Um, To your point, though, you said it's like, you know, we have to get back to football at some point. The fact of the matter is we don't have to. The league has to. We don't have to. But the sad truth of it is we all want to. Because we love this sport. We we love football in this country. 
It is an unstoppable machine. The league, I do think, has done a pretty good job this week, all things considered. Um, I thought the the people you know outraging the five minute stuff that is standard protocol when there's a weather delay, when there's a serious injury, they have to bring a card out. They give players five minutes to warm up, and somewhere in that moment, right. It, it got pushed down the line and somehow got into Joe Buck's ears. And then that went out to millions of people. And then that became a major storyline. And one of the things that, again, I've heard echoed a few times is that we as a society, particularly in this social media era, are really, really bad when it comes to processing grief when it happens. We want to blame somebody. We want to scream at douchebags with really dumb tweets or really bad opinions on first take. We want to blame oh how could the nfl institute five minutes when in reality like troy vincent the the vp of football operations for the nfl longtime nfl player played for the eagles forever he is like a hard-nosed calls it like he sees it kind of dude does not mince words um and has always been known to be an incredibly genuine straight shooting kind of guy when he comes out and says there was no order from the league office there was no order from here but somehow John Perry got in his ear from the NFL, which then got past the Joe Buck, which then led to, okay, now they only had five minutes. And then we can all turn around and vilify the NFL. And it's like, we can vilify the NFL for a lot of things. I think the way they've handled this week has been in this specifically this week has actually been pretty, pretty well done. It's the other shit. It's the long-term stuff that they know to your point, Scotty, when the machine starts rolling again, and we have wild card round and divisional and conference championships and Nobody's the Super Bowl. <laughs> Everyone's going to forget about oh yeah that one crazy dude was screaming on his podcast about how the uh, you know the CBA completely fucks players over because the the league knows that that's the problem. The problem lies with the longer term shit that doesn't shock us in this moment. This week, the league has handled well, but let's get the shit down the road fixed. Let's get the important stuff. Let's make sure that players get more guaranteed money. Let's make sure that players have health insurance after their playing careers. Mm-hmm. And that happens in college. Like if you don't go pro, there are a lot of colleges. If you get hurt, that will cover like, for, especially for like lifelong potential injuries that will cover your medical expenses for the rest of your life. The fact that the NFL doesn't offer that with a much smaller pool of players and making much more money is sickening and just wrong. And we, that's the shit that we need to be better at. We need to find yeah. a way to improve that. And part of what Dominique Foxworth was saying and why it's important and why he equated it to, you know, uh, you know, G- George Floyd and, uh, you know, mass shootings and all this stuff is that when we don't let up the gas is when we see real change. But we're all such a captive audience for this sport because we love it so much that it's so easy to forget how important it is that we fix this and that we protect players because Monday night was such a stark reminder. And I said this on Tuesday, but such a stark reminder of what these players are willingly put on the line, putting on the line every single time they suit up and to imagine them coming out and, and stepping out on a field again after what we saw Monday has to be harrowing and and i know when you and i were texting um on tuesday and i was like hey i just i don't feel comfortable putting out this pod and you had said you hey like you know can i can i say anything or anything about t higgins because like t higgins is someone else in this situation 
You know, Bart yeah. Scott is an absolute piece of shit for what he said on first take. And I'm not going to re you know, I don't want to give that clown any more airtime than what he, what he was saying, but essentially blaming T Higgins for what happened is disgusting to say Tuesday morning when DeMar Hamlin is fighting for his life, not to mention the amount of guilt that is on there. I would love to look up the nastiest and dirtiest plays of Bart Scott's career and we can go through and talk yeah. about, hey, remember when you did this? <laughs> remember when you were tackling with your head down back in the early 2000s? Because that's what they taught you to do. How many people did you put in the fucking hospital, Bart Scott? Like, it's just disgusting. And T. Higgins is someone who um, deserves a ton of res- uh, support right now. Um, DeMar Hamlin's dad Absolutely. publicly asked for people to stop criticizing him. And I think there was really like one person and then some shitty people on Twitter who wanted to blame T. Higgins. Um, which again goes back to this whole world we live in where you're carrying this grief and we're too immature as a collective society to just sit there and be sad about it. We have to go onto Twitter and blame somebody and, or, or yell at somebody or, or take the piss out of somebody because, you know, we don't know how to handle our own shit. Yeah. You know, that's not even getting into any of the, the racial crap, which, is just another vehicle for for all of that but you have to consider a for like it wasn't it wasn't a play that you would look at and go jesus like let's review this for for its uh its um targeting its nastiness and, yeah. and targeting and 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 irreverence to to the game no it was like an incidental play um and and a really fluke uh sort of injury where the timing just you know, happen to to line up in exactly the right time, which when you think about it, is is insane in and of itself. Um, I think it makes it more scary for these players. Yeah, right. Um, and but you know, you you can't then go and blame T for this, right? T Higgins is is one of the more respected wide receivers in the NFL. Number one. Also, he's in his what third, second, third year. Third year, um, yeah. Yeah, and, and so I can't imagine a young kid. He's probably around the same age as I think he's, he's twenty four, twenty five. Demar, yeah, I, you know, and these guys throughout most of their their sporting lives, and including and up up to and including their professional lives in football, are told largely be a man. Right, it's hard not to be able to process something like that. Right. And now all, on top of that, you got to turn around and, and go get prepared for be a professional and go get prepared for a game next Sunday, uh, which hasn't been canceled or postponed. And so the 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 amount of of weight on top of T Higgins right now, I can't even imagine. Um, so so he needs all the support and love he can get uh, as well uh, in, in all of this. And, and I think overwhelmingly, that's what it's been. I think overwhelmingly, people yeah. understand that. Um it's it's a crime, not a crime, but that's using hyperbole. But it, it is unbelievably insensitive for someone like Bart Scott, given the nature of the NFL he played in, playing for a coach like Rex Ryan, um, in a different era of football, to to try to throw stones um, when this guy already feels like he might have sent somebody to his death, right? Like I I, I can't even imagine. Um, and the early reports Monday night were like T Higgins mom came down from the stand and he would, they were just standing in the hallways underneath the stadium and he was just crying, like bawling his eyes out, um, which I, I something probably, that wasn't his fault, by yeah, the like, yeah, because it, because it was a, it was a, the freakiest of freak accidents. Um, 
you know, it's, it, I believe it's like, it takes one twentieth of a millisecond is the window between whether or not this hit in between heartbeats will, will shock somebody into cardiac arrest. It's happened a few times. It happened to Chris Pronger when he was playing um, in St. Louis, I believe, in uh, 1998. And he recovered and, and ended up having a Hall of Fame NHL career. Um, there was the player in Denmark um, who wasn't from contact. He just went into cardiac arrest. But, you know, these freak things do happen. For it to be on the stage that it was in a game with the magnitude that it was um, is what shocked so many people because there were so many people watching and so many people freaking out, not knowing what was happening and not knowing um, what was going on. And um, I want to share a couple things from Vito that he had shared with us because um, uh, he, he had sent us a message knowing he wasn't going to be on, but I wanted to give both of you guys a chance to kind of speak on it. He's, um, and this is from, from Vito. He says, I'm really proud of Sean McDermott and everyone involved and with this latest update that he is neurologically intact with the timeline. Uh, I'm proud that the NFL doctors and safety folks really saved his life from an insane accident. And the vast majority of all coverage was insane. Uh, they compare this. Uh, he said he wanted to compare it to the guy from Denmark at CPR. Um, and he said, but they inevitably finished the game. And I'm, I'm happy that the NFL chose not to finish the game. And um, to extend on that, what I had said in response to Vito was that the, the Denmark team in, in the Euros a couple of years ago did finish the game, but that it was about two hours later um, after they had contact with their teammate and he had became responsive. Um, and that was the big difference um, with this, which was that the idea of, of playing this game, playing this weekend without having contact or knowing whether or not DeMar Hamlin was okay is just inconceivable. Um you know, one of the most amazing things about NFL players that never gets enough respect or focus on it is their ability to compartmentalize, right? Their ability to watch Josh Sweat go off the field on a stretcher last week for the Philadelphia Eagles, but he gives a thumbs up on his way out, right? That thumbs up to all of us at home is just, oh, okay, I don't have to worry. I can go back to watching football and watching this game. For them, it's thank God my brother is not paralyzed. Thank God my brother is alive, right? Mm -hmm. The thumbs up to us is an okay for us to go back to enjoying watching something that we enjoy watching. The thumbs up to players means so, so much more. And there was no way this was ever going to happen. Um, I thought the leadership of Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor were absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I loved that the, the Players Association were on on the phone with – um, NFLPA reps from each team because each team has multiple reps for the NFLPA and the team and the coaches got together and they said we're not waiting for the NFL to to talk about this we're not waiting the NFL for a decision we're not coming out and eventually the NFL got to what was the, the correct decision and and again I don't fault the NFL it, it's such an unprecedented situation like everyone was trying to process it in real time everyone was trying to figure it out and I also want to say here too, like we wouldn't be talking about it this in depth with all this um, and probably not with the same tone if we didn't hear the news that we heard about DeMar Hamlin, which um, again, for those who haven't heard, I can run through the list, but um, essentially uh, he woke up last night, um, which is amazing. Um, the Bills staff saved his life. Um, it was a Bills staffer who started CPR. Um, there's a woman who, whose name still hasn't come out yet, who was the one that grabbed the AED, 
um, and also actually huddled the players around DeMar Hamlin and around the ambulance to give him the privacy in that moment, which I thought um, is really, really amazing. Um, given understanding the magnitude of how many people were there and how many people um, were, were watching all of this. Um, and there was some really, really cool stuff that came out about DeMar last night when he woke up. Um, he still is unable to talk. He's still connected to a breathing machine, um, but he was able to communicate through pad and pencil. Um, the first thing he asked was who won the game? Um, which like <laughs> I gave me, like it gave me chills when Schefter tweeted that. And the doctor's response was phenomenal. The doctors responded. Uh, he said, did we win? Their response was um, you won the game of life. Um, which again, I just got chills um, hearing that. Yeah. And um, there was something else the doctor said in the press conference. Um, they said his first note was, did we win? And he said, it's not only that the lights are on. We know that he's home, which is huge given um, the amount of oxygen that he lost, the damage to his lungs, that cognitively and, and from his brain yeah. health standpoint that he is uh, himself. Yeah, not trying to figure out where he is and why he's there, just uh, and who he is. Just yeah, uh, if the first question is who won the game, yeah, that's yeah. that's uh, who somebody uh, make you believe in a higher power. I'll put it that way. <laughs> it, it does. And look, I'm not a particularly religious person. I've never shied away from that. Um, but I prayed for him this week. If there is something up there, I wanted to send my thoughts and, and my my prayers and love to him in any way. Um, and it was, it, it's been a really, really heavy week. Um, but, you know, he held a ton of people's hands last night as he was kind of coming to. Um, and there's different levels of like cognitive, like stability, right? Like there's levels where it's like, oh, like his pupils are dilating. There's levels where, you know, he, he's, for him to to be there and to know who he was, to have the first thing he said be who won the game. Like this kid, man, is just an absolute inspirational it's such an inspirational story. Um, his whole upbringing and everything that came to it. Um, and you know, I, I, there's been a bunch of people saying this too. Like if you've never been CPR trained, do it. Um, cause you, you never know what's going to happen. Um, there was a journalist and it's free. And it's free. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, I was a lifeguard for, you know, three for four years never fortunate enough to never have to administer it or do it. But like, I know I do know how to do it, which is a great thing. But even I was like, I want to go back and re up. Like I want to go back and make sure that like, I, I remember how to do all this. Um, there was a journalist who told a story that um, in an office he was working in, somebody fell and started having a heart attack. And he was the first one there and just didn't know what to do. And it was untrained and called nine one one and, they, you know, the ambulance didn't get there for 15, 20 minutes. And by the time they got there, you know, his coworker was just dead there in his office. And it's, it, you'll never know when you'll come around and it doesn't have to be as big of a spotlight or as big of lights as um, an NFL field on Monday night football, right? Like you, you don't, you never know when you'll be able to save somebody's life when you'll be able to do something. Um, but overwhelmingly after the, the emotions and everything this week, um, I know I needed to process it and reflect on it and, and hear from people who are far more intelligent than I am and have much different life experiences. I mean, obviously, you know, what, the stuff Ryan Clark was saying on Monday night was like, and I, li I actually listened to SVP's pod um, yesterday and SVP is like, he was like, he wasn't just talking, he was preaching. 
Like he he was at the he was at the altar. He was giving a sermon, and and yeah. telling people what it was. You know what it was all about. And um, in that moment, to have the wherewithal, Lisa Salters, uh, Booger McFarlane, I thought was amazing. I thought Buck and Aikman did amazing. The broadcast I thought was was unbelievable. Um, given the, yeah. the impossible situation that they were put in. And I think in the long run, it's good uh, for all this stuff to be out there and be circulated because it does help. Like my wife uses TikTok just uh, every day, right? Um, and she's not a huge sports fan. She'll watch with me, but everything coming across her feed, man, is all about this stuff and, yeah. and is some of the some of the the stuff we've talked about from Dominique Foxworth and Ron Clark and others. Um, so the fact that it's being circulated to that degree, I'm and in my head, I'm thinking if my wife's getting that, how far reaching is is all of this uh, content that's been talked about uh, throughout the week? So I think it's it's a good thing, a very good thing in the long run. It, it's it's amazing. Um, and at the at one point during the um, the doctor's press conference with the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Um, they asked, someone asked them, you know, what the best possible outcome is. And they said the best possible outcome is for DeMar to return to who he was before the game. And that given where we were a day ago and where we were on Monday night is nothing short of a miracle. Um, and God, the emergency response team was just incredible. Um, if you know anybody who is a first responder, um, I don't know, like if you're if you live near them whatever buy them lunch shoot them a venmo say thank you um that's something that the harmlin uh or that the uh the hamlin family actually asked that the family put out a statement and with the charity and you know look his charity has reached over five million dollars at this point which is outstanding um but the, you know, one of the things that they said at the bottom is like look we have enough money here to change the lives and accomplish the goals that DeMar Hamlin, you know, DeMar wanted for people. Um, and they said, if you still want to do something, buy your first respond, the first responders in your life lunch, you know, donate to there or donate to the university of Cincinnati medical center um, or your, your local, you know, level one trauma center, um, all that stuff. Like oh, it's, it's just been such a heavy week um, feeling about all this stuff. And like, I'll be honest, like if ever, you know, I, I, I preach honesty on this podcast and like lifting back the veil. Like I sat there on Tuesday, like really questioning, like, is this really something I want to build my life around? I love football as much as anything. I love sports. Like I, I do. I love the, the wake, but in the same breath, sports is, can be so irrelevant to the real world. It is irrelevant to the real world, but it plays an important role too. Like sports are important. They're really important but it's also so inconsequential compared to so many other things in the world and so many other facets that it makes you sit there and go like, is, do I want to sit here and, and for a living and, and cover this and talk about this stuff that, that we deep down know doesn't matter. Right. Because we, we found out Monday night, nothing else mattered. Playoff seating, Super Bowl, nothing else fucking mattered Monday night, except for this kid. And I've sat on it and, and, you know, I, I, I'm not sitting here being like, oh, this is the last pod. Bye, guys. Like, it's it's not like that, but it is something that I seriously considered because that is kind of the weight that this week has brought on on so many different people. Whether you're a fan, um, whether you played football, whether you're attached to the league, whether you cover it, whether you're just a couple of jokers like us who have a podcast, like 
it has affected a lot of people. And I think today, like, it's really, really special. It really is. Um, I know I the, the tweets came through, and not only did I have this massive smile on my face, but like I got chills and goosebumps. I teared up. Like it's, it sounds dramatic, and at the same time, it's like it's not dramatic at all because that's just like this is what we've this is what the last few days have been like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, that's that's how how heavy it's been. So, uh, yeah, just glad he's okay okay as he can be right now and yeah and hopefully he continues to get better and that's the thing like i don't think either one of us are going to sit here and say like oh we're through the woods everything's back to normal um because we're not he's still in intensive care he he's still you know uh in critical condition but he's made remarkable improvements and hopefully the more stable he gets the stronger the more he can breathe on his own um i know just from the for his first full day in the ICU, he went from hundred percent oxygen being come from a ventilator to 50%. Right. Um, and once he can breathe fully on his own, like what, what an amazing, amazing feeling that's going to be. If, if this was any, you know, a uh, glimpse into the hopeful future. Um, but it's important to still, to still pray. If you pray, it's important to still send your thoughts and to think about it. Um, Cause going back to where we kind of started this conversation, we know the machine's going to pick up and run. And we're going to take a break after talking about this and we're going to preview our games for this weekend. Um, we still don't know at this point what's going to happen with the Bengals and um, Bills game, whether they're going to call it a no contest, what all that means. Um, that side of it would, it would fucking suck for the Bills, man. You work all year for that one seed. Um, but at the same time, you know that all of that still is, is yeah, inconsequential. Like exactly. they, they like, we'll miss the playoffs if it means our teammate is alive. Like, you 100%. know, you know, that's how they feel. Um, 100%. Yeah. And I think the fact that this happened and all that, like, I think, hey, if we're the two seed and we have a longer road to the play, to the Super Bowl, fuck it. Our teammates alive. That's all we care about. We'll go win games if we got to go win games. Um, and it gives you something to fight for. That is true. Even that even more true. than the uh, the trophy at the end of the tunnel. Ain't that the truth, man. Ain't that the truth. So, um, I, unless you have anything else, um, like I said, I wish I wish Vito could have hopped on because I, I know he would have had some other things to add to this conversation as well. Um, and again, just want to appreciate you guys for rolling with us. Uh, Tuesday just didn't feel like a day to to recap the college football playoff or week 17 or any of that. Um, it felt like a day that we needed to just kind of sit back and um, and think about, you know, DeMar. And, and then Wednesday came out and more and more people started talking about it and having important conversations. And, you know, I. I felt the need that we had to kind of open up the pod this way today. So um, thank you everybody for understanding. And, and um, obviously we're all, we're all team Hamlin right now. And we're all hoping for, for more better news as we get closer. Um, but it will be exciting. Um, that I will say this, that first snap on Saturday is going to feel weird. Um, Cause you know, I think it was SVP that said it. He was like, you know, the last snap of football we watched in any context was the play that he got hurt on, right? So the first snap back Chiefs Raiders on Saturday afternoon is, is going to be a little weird. Um, but hopefully it's also cathartic for people. Um, and I hope that people watch that game and watch the games this weekend with a better and um, more thoughtful viewpoint as to what it is that, you know, we're watching each week and what it is that these guys are, are putting on the line. So, uh, with that, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, we'll preview the games on the other side. 
and uh, get you all ready for week 18. All right, so uh, I also forgot to mention in the first part of the pod, we are also going to cap off uh, the pod today with our picks for the national championship. Um, Did not do that for the college football playoff, which was a major oversight on my part and my apologies. Um, But we will talk a little college football playoff there at the end. Uh, But we got two games on Saturday. We got a full slate on Sunday. Um, And we'll start off with the Saturday game, 430 on ESPN ABC Chiefs at Raiders. Um, You know, obviously the uncertainty of what's going to happen with Buffalo and Cincinnati lends us to believe that the Chiefs are likely to be the one seed and would more than likely secure this. There's been rumblings from the league office um, that they will likely declare Buffalo Cincinnati in no contest and then go based off of win percentage to decide who will um, win, you know, what the seedings are in the AFC. Um, which means likely we will see Chiefs one, Bills two, and uh, the Cincinnati Bengals three. Um, but for now, the Chiefs are one win away, essentially, from claiming the number one overall seed, having another 14-win season. Uh, and they are nine-point favorites on the road against the Raiders, going up against Jarrett Stidham, who looked really impressive um, in that game last week. And again, we ha- did our whole breakdown, but Jarrett Stidham looked really good last week. So, uh, Scotty, where are we leaning right now? Chiefs Raiders uh, with the Raiders, be- or the Raiders being nine point home dogs. You're right. I think <clears throat> Jarrett Stidham was more than capable of serving as the, uh, as the primary quarterback for that team. Uh, I-, I said in the, uh, in the lost episode uh, that, uh, you know, what the hell with Derek Carr? You, you can tell me all day that he's a good quarterback because he threw for 5,000 yards. He's off. Get him out of here. Jarrett Stidham walked into the same offense and had a better game than Derek Carr had all season long uh, with the same players, the same personnel, the same coaching, uh, and, and the same uh, play calling. So uh, Jarrett Stidham, more than more than acceptable. The Chiefs, to me, this to, for the Chiefs, all they need to do is win the game. They've had a couple of close calls uh, over the past couple of weeks. Uh, I don't think they're going to come in here, and, and, and maybe I'm – I'm wrong about this, but I don't think they need to go in there and and play gangbusters and and win by by 14, 15, 16 points. To me, I think on the Chiefs' radar, the way that they've played over the past couple of weeks, it's just win the game in front of you. Doesn't matter by how much. Just do everybody do your job and get it done. Nine and a half is a lot. Kansas City is two and five as a, as a road favorite. I'm going to take the Raiders. Yeah, it's it's nine. Um, but I'm with you. I'm I'm for the same reasoning. I'm taking the Raiders. Uh, I, I will say on the Jarrett Stidham thing, um, Mike Girardi, who works for NFL Network and is located outside of Boston, was a um, was a, a Mazin guy for a long time. Um, he had made an interesting point. Um, you know, Josh McDaniels was the offense coordinator in New England. They drafted Jarrett Stidham during the COVID year when it was Cam Newton and. They brought in Cam and it felt like you kind of had to play Cam uh, and Jarrett Stidham really only got one game's worth of action and Bill just immediately wrote him off. Um, I believe there was a consensus feeling that Josh McDaniels really liked Jarrett Stidham and thought that he would actually be a really solid quarterback um, and and knew the offense. I don't think this offense works great for Derek Carr. I don't think Derek Carr is terrible. I think this is a really bad offense and it's completely new to him from what he had been running, um, particularly the year that he threw for 5,000 yards. So, uh, I'm, but 
same that being said, um, I think Jared Siddham's going to do pretty well, and I think you're dead on with the Chiefs, right? Big spreads with the Chiefs. They haven't done a great job of it. The Raiders obviously have nothing really to play for, um, but for Jared Stidham, this is an opportunity, right? This is an opportunity for him to prove that, hey, why can't I be the starting quarterback of the Raiders next year? I know this offense. I just put up 35 points against, you know, the best team, the best, best defense, defense in, the, in the NFL and made it look pretty yeah. easy. So I'm with you. I'm riding the Raiders uh, plus nine points. Uh, the Saturday night game, we have Tennessee at Jacksonville. Um, this is for the division. Um, it would be for the first over 500 season for the Jags since 2017, the uh, year they made it to the AFC championship game and then lost. Uh, Jacksonville's a six and a half point favorite at, uh, at home. Um, this is an interesting game because, you know, the, the Jags played spoilers last year, right? To the Colts in week 18, they, they beat Carson Wentz and the Colts and knocked them out of the playoffs, which kind of ended up. God, ending, that was fun. <laughs> ending. Yeah, it was a great game. Um, and kind of <laughs> ending the, uh, the, the career of Carson Wentz in a lot of ways. Uh, and I think the Jags, uh, right now they're rolling defensively, you know, they've been playing better. They're still really young, but they at least have really exciting, explosive guys on the defensive side of the ball. But more importantly, that offense has been humming now for the second half of the year, right? This isn't just like a, a nice little three game stretch. Like this is an eight game stretch that we've seen from Trevor Lawrence, where he has been playing outstanding football. Uh, the Titans are starting Josh Dobbs, who was just picked up off of the Detroit Lions practice squad. Um, shows you how raw Malik Willis is, and we knew that coming out, but yikes. Um, and he just had his first career start. He hung in there, uh, especially in the first half against the Cowboys. Um, whether or not they can do that here against Jacksonville is a little questionable, but I think with how good this offense is rolling, uh, the defense for Tennessee is still banged up. They really don't have much to play for. This has been a really weird, disappointing year for the Titans, who so are going to kind of start to look at rebuilding a bit, I think, uh, at least retooling, if nothing else. I like the Jags minus six and a half. Yeah, that's that's a good pick, man. Uh, I I just can't. The, the spread's too much in, in a, in a win-and-in uh, contest here in Week 18. I'm going to lean on the experience uh, of of the Titans to, to the Jaguars at six and a half. Um, and let's not forget they they're getting healthier on on both sides of the ball, and they have extra rest uh, since they played the Thursday night game last week. Uh, on top of that, Tennessee's coach Mike Vrabel he's twenty four sixteen and one against the spread as a dog. That's uh, since he's been the head coach in in, uh, in Tennessee, and and nine and four against the spread when he's got six or more points. Uh, so I'm going to take the Titans. I hope as a fan I'm wrong. Because this Jag story is great, and, and to see them win the division would be fantastic. But I am going to take the Titans uh, for my pick here. Um, it is worth noting, just about an hour ago, Titans have removed Derrick Henry, Jeffrey Simmons, and Danico Autry from their injury report. All are ready to play in Saturday's AFC South deciding game against the Jaguars. I could 100% seeing Derrick Henry having a 200-yard rushing, like, monstrous performance in this game, too. Yeah. One, um, of, one of the props I was considering was the over of uh, you can get it at 21 and a half carries. Um, oh. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a lot more than that. Yeah, uh, I the, think so, too. I think we're looking at 25 to 30 with the season on the line, playoffs on the line. I think you, you have to give the ball. But also, you, work your horse. you know. Yeah. I, and obviously NFL teams don't function this way, but you know, how much tread does Derrick Henry have left on the tire, right? Obviously he was still outstanding this year. Um, yeah. Another thousand yard season for him, but you know, at some point, I mean, I know he's a freak of nature when it comes to that position, but 
you know, is this team winning the Super Bowl, right? Are, are the tight if the Titans right. get in at eight and nine, are they sitting there being like, hey, we have a home playoff game, we're gonna go make a run to the to the Super Bowl? Maybe no, and for this you know, for maybe, the same but... for the same reasons that we've outlined not only this season, but over the course of the past few seasons, is besides Derrick Henry and uh, a banged up defense, what else is there? Right? You don't have a number one anymore. AJ Brown's gone. Uh, you're relying on a Ricky wide receiver who's questionable for this game. Uh, and, and you don't have a, a, a big play tight end like Johnny Smith anymore. Yeah. And you're, right. and you're relying on, on quarterbacks who you're just picking off of, of waiver wires, not, not to, to disparage Josh jobs at all. He's, he's played very well in that, in that game last week against Dallas. Uh, but you know, even with Ryan Tannehill in there, like it, yeah. it doesn't move the needle for me. That's, that's all I've been saying all season. What a wild season for them. Uh, started off the season 0-2. They lose on the the fat Randy miss kick uh, against the Giants and then get, the Giants, yeah. get, get absolutely God. stuffed. Remember, they got absolutely stuffed by the Bills on Monday night, 41-7. to And then yeah. they won five straight to get to 5-2. and two. They damn near beat Kansas City, right, and lose that game by a field goal, win the next two, sitting there at 7-3, and three, and then have now lost six in a row. Um you know, and, and two of the teams on that list, right? You're looking at the Jaguars and the Chargers, um, potentially the two teams they would have to beat to, you know, move on. Um, but I will say they've all been pretty close, with the exception of the Eagles game where they got blown out 35 to 10, uh, and the uh, the Dallas game last week. They were all one score games, so um, can't count them out. Obviously, with Mike Rabel, I just I love the way this Jacksonville team is playing right now. Um, but it, it would also be very fitting yes. if the Titans found a way to win this game. I hope I'm wrong. I do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, up next, we have Bucks Falcons. Uh, Tampa Bay is said they're going to at least start the game with their starters, um, but the line that Vegas has put out makes it seem like the starters probably won't be playing for all that much. Again, the Bucks have nothing to play for here. Uh, Atlanta's a four-point favorite at home, and I would imagine if everyone's, if all the starters, this is win and get in, uh, I would think the Bucks would be favored in this game, uh, but instead we're looking at Atlanta minus four. And look, the picks this week are always going to be really hard because there's some teams that are, have you know sent guys on IR. Or they're trying to take care of people. Um, just seems like a, it, it's it's a tough week to try to pick on these. Um, not that it's going to help me at all. Um, I don't know, man. I the Falcons <laughs> have a young team, right? And and um, Desmond Ritter wants to prove that you know he's a quality starter in this league, so he's going to be out there playing. Uh, Tyler Algier is an awesome running back. He's going to be, I, I'm calling it now. He's going to be the fantasy dark horse guy next year that everyone that like not the true fantasy dark horse. He's going to be the fantasy dark horse that everybody in July starts being like, you know, who's going to be a dark horse this year in fantasy. Tyler like Pierce was this yeah. season. Yeah. It, it's going to be. A, and then by the time you draft, like everybody knows and everyone's going to try to draft him. So, and it'll, um, he'll be way overdrafted in yeah. the second or third round. Um, and yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I think once we see, you know, Blaine Gabbert, I think is the backup there for Tampa Bay. Once we see Blaine Gabbert enter the, the game, uh, I think the Falcons will win this game. So I'm going to take Falcons minus four. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I think obviously the bucks are already in, but, even with Falcons, with the Falcons' full starting lineup in there, I still don't think they're a better team talent-wise, especially if uh, Tampa Bay is going to get their uh, their offensive line continuity back. I'm going to lean on that to be the uh, the the difference in the game. Uh, I feel like this is one, uh, along with the with the Niners game, which we'll talk about later, where uh, 
you see Tampa Bay go up by two, three scores, and all of a sudden all the starters are yanked. And um, and I think beyond beyond that, the depth on their defense is good enough to uh, to cover the force. So I'm going to take the box. All right, Scotty's on Tampa Bay. Uh, up next, we have um, the Buffalo Bills, who will be hosting the New England Patriots. This is just an impossible game to try to pick. Um, <laughs> it's just like how, like at this point, like how do their players come out and respond to this, right? How how is Josh Allen feeling? Um, I, I I have a very hard time trying to figure out what this is going to be. Could this be a we're going to go out there? You know, we we've heard from um, Demar, and and now we we feel good to go out and win. But from also like a logistical standpoint, like they also haven't practiced much at all this week. Um, I don't think they've done anything. I think they might. I think I know the Bengals practiced for the first time today, uh, and I, I think Buffalo had a walkthrough. Um, so what does that look like? I, I have I have no idea. Um, but I'll say this: like I'm not going to bet against Buffalo right now. Um, my gut tells me that they're going to go out there and they're going to try to curb stomp the Pats. Um, and it's Buffalo minus seven right now. I think, I think Buffalo covers it. I think it's a big Buffalo win. I think we're sitting easy. Yeah. I, I think we're talking about, this is like the feel good game of the day. Um, Buffalo wins by a million. Yeah. This is one of those you can sit there and analyze, look at all the numbers, Bill Belichick, yada, 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 dude, There's this no- is emotion and nothing else. Like the bills are going to come out. It might look a little rusty at first, but, uh, but dude, they're going to come out and, and start swinging and play for their guys. So, uh, I think this is the beginning of a uh, of a lit torch, uh, and uh, and I'd be watching out for the Bills if I were the rest of the AFC as well. Uh, but in this game, a touchdown at home, emotions flowing throughout Buffalo. Forget it. It's Bills dude, by I, a million. Assuming this game gets played, which we we're still not hundred percent sure. If I think it is going to be played, but um, can you imagine the scene in Buffalo on Sunday? Yeah, like I bring your bring your tissues, man. Um, yeah, no kidding. That's that's going to be something. And this is also one that like I don't like even talking, thinking or talking about the idea of prop bets. But like Stefan Diggs just going ape shit it seems like it's like he's going to be playing like another planet. Like he seems like the kind of guy who's going to like completely feed off of this, but and Allen um, too, yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, um, I'm I'm worried about Josh just based off of what happened. He seems like such a genuine. Lord, he, he's he's such a good guy. He um, looked like he saw a ghost. Yeah, well, I remember at the you know the shooting in Buffalo this summer, right, or last spring, whenever it was, um, and the the way he led that whole city, um. It's going to be something. It's going to be something. Yeah, bring your bring your uh, tissues for sure. Uh, all right, next up, Minnesota at Chicago. Minnesota is a minus seven and a half point favorite. We're going to see um, the GOAT, Nathan Peterman, starting this game. No Justin Fields. Um, I mean, look, Minnesota. Why would you? <laughs> Minnesota's responded well. Minnesota has an outside chance at the one seed still. Uh, actually, no, sorry. No, they're mathematically limited. They have an outside chance at the two seed, I should say. Um, if, if something were to happen in the San Francisco game. So uh, they have something to play for in Chicago. Nathan Peterman, you know, I, I can't imagine it's going to look good. So I, seven and a half seems kind of low, honestly, but also we've seen kind of the fraudulent side of Minnesota at times this year. So uh, I, I like 
Minnesota minus seven and a half, even though it's a pretty big line and, and, you know, Minnesota only ever plays in one score games. Uh, I do like Minnesota. Yes. They live there. Uh, I do too. Uh, you know, just because, because of what I think, uh, especially after a week like last week that Justin Jefferson had, I think this is a secondary that he can sort of, uh, go off on a little bit, uh, and get himself ready for the playoffs. Uh, and you know, they have a lot to play for, right? Uh, the two seeds up for grabs uh, still, regardless of the fact that the Niners are playing uh, one of the one of the worst teams in the NFL. Uh, but the the two seeds there, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, all these guys are taught to do as professionals is go out and and put their their team in the best uh, position to win um, each and every week. So I think the Vikings are are going to do that. They got hit in the mouth a little bit last week by uh, by a division rival uh, on the road, and so I think they. Uh, they uh, learned their lesson this week. Justin Jefferson goes off. Kirk Cousins has a good day. Uh, tough day running the ball against the Bears, but uh, you know, even even for the Bears without Justin Fields, uh, Minnesota's given up 123 yards on the ground. Uh, they're going to have to lean on David Montgomery and, and Khalil Herbert to to do most of that because I don't think they're going to let even let Nathan Peterman throw the ball that much. Uh, so I think the the Vikings defense is kind of a get right. Uh, for them heading into the playoffs and, and, and the offense, uh, same story. So Vikings uh, as well. Both on Minnesota. Uh, up next, Baltimore and Cincinnati. Um, you know, what's crazy is, you know, technically Cincinnati hasn't won the AFC North yet. Um, they've clinched the playoff spot. Um, this would be for that. This game will be in Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a seven-point favorite. Lamar still has not practiced. I, I mean, look, if they – Baltimore wins, they finish the season at 11 and six. Assuming we're not playing the Buffalo game. Assuming that will not be played, which is yeah. more and more seeming um, increasingly unlikely, right? So Baltimore would be 11 and six. Cincinnati would be 11 and five if Baltimore wins this game, which means since if it does go by win percentage, which again seems to be the direction the league's going, though there has not been any sort of firm report on that if that is the case then that means that the Bengals would have locked down the afc north because even if they were to lose they would still have a better winning percentage at 11 and 5 than the ravens would at 11 and 6 which i'm sure there will be ravens fans who will not be happy with that i would call them scumbags if they were um that being said if we find out some sort of ruling as to what they're going to do that before Sunday, which I, again, I think we will. Um, that would mean that Cincinnati is likely not going to play their starters. Um, give your guys another week to rest, you know, process everything. Um, so it feels weird picking this game, just like it felt weird picking the Buffalo game. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I'm having a hard time with this because like, I, I just don't really know given that aspect of it. And the fact that these two teams are like, again, like that game is technically still in the air for Baltimore, yeah. but even if they called it a tie and it, they, the Bengals were 11, four and one, that the same rule would apply and Baltimore yeah, exactly. would still, or Cincinnati would still clinch the, the division. So I, it, it seems like no matter what happens and obviously it doesn't seem like the Bengals and bills will be playing. 
um, which I don't know if that did they ever actually make a firm statement as to whether or not they said it wouldn't be played this week. No, um, they they've talked about pushing it back the schedule back so that there's no bye week between the the championship week and the Super Bowl. Um, um, and that was the the most prevalent option on the table last I looked. Um, the other being, you know, just canceling it entirely. Um, so uh, who knows? But I will say in a lot of the ways, I think that the bills will be galvanized and, and sort of rally around it. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if the Bengals came out and were just spooked out of their minds on both sides of the ball, you know, yeah. um, um, just because, you know, it's, it's one thing, you know, obviously this is unprecedented, but you see this with, with injuries a lot in the NFL, like critical injuries like that, um, particularly the concussions and stuff like uh, the team it happened to, they sort of rally around and they're like, all right, let's fight for our guy. And the team that was on the other end is kind of like, shit, that was like scary. What do we do? Uh, and we kind of saw that a little bit in, you know, early in the season on the Sunday night game when the, when the, uh, with the Bengals defense, uh, when they, they tackled Tua and he had that, that horrific head injury. So, um, I wouldn't be shocked if that were the case. Having said that, you know, even without Lamar, or especially without Lamar, the Ravens are not good on offense. And no, no matter how spooked Cincinnati's defense is, uh, I don't think that uh, I don't think the Ravens will be able to move the ball very effectively at all. Um, and and at some point, Joe Burrow, for as young as he is, is a, is a professional uh, and realizes that, hey, man. Uh, we got to get back on the football field and get in rhythm so that we can can go on the same sort of run we did we did last season. And yeah, uh, I, I I don't I can't think of many more people in the NFL uh, who I would want leading uh, a, a team the way that Joe Burrow could uh, in that regard. So I screw it. I'm going to take the Bengals. Yeah, I'm going to take them too. I'm going to take them too. Um... If nothing else, it, it's a game that, like, I, I even contemplated, like, us not picking those games. Um, I think just because of the impact of this with the AFC North, too, makes it seem even kind of weirder. But I think, I mean, they, this could be a rematch for next week, too. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point, actually. That's a, that's a very good point. Um, but I guess if the Ravens, because what are the Ravens right now, the sixth seed? Uh Yeah. But and, it could end up that they're three and six and in the, the end. And who's the five seed? The Chargers? Chargers, yeah. And the Chargers are sitting at 10 and six as well. Yeah. So I guess there's theoretically, there still is chance of moving, you know, that all sliding around. Um, but that does seem likely if Cincinnati would be the three seed that these two teams would then play again um, just a little bit from now. But yeah, we'll both roll with Cincinnati. Um, obviously, this is a tough one and a weird one to try to pick. So, um, not really too bent out of shape or too focused on that. More just curious how it all kind of rolls out. Um, all right. Up next, we have a, a very much who gives a shit game, uh, Houston and Indianapolis. The Colts are two and a half point favorites. Um, and I know the Texans just got blown out by Jacksonville last week, but uh, I like Houston on the road here. Um, they've been a scrappy team. The only thing that would maybe get in the way of that is because of their tie 
Um, if they win this game, they would lose the number one overall pick, assuming that the Bears also lose to Minnesota. Yeah, um, that's a consideration too. I mean, even the the Colts for for uh, for their draft pick, uh, a loss could slide them into the top three, uh, depending on what else happens around the league. So, you know. Plenty enough to play for it here, I guess, uh, in the opposite way that we usually talk about our NFL yeah. football games. Uh, but but uh I, I think you're right. I think the Texans um the Texans know what they're what they're about, uh, clearly on on uh with, with with their system right now. Uh it's it's just gonna be a question of um uh, you know, and I don't think guys go out professionals go out and go, hey guys. If we lose this game today, we're the number one overall draft pick. We can go get whatever quarterback we want. No, they're not going out and doing that. That's just not what professionals do. Uh, same with the Colts on their side too. And you know, they're not, they're not going out and saying, "Hey, if we lose, we're we got a top chance at a top three for sure, a top five pick. We can go out and get our quarterback, new head coach." None, none of those guys are thinking that uh, as as they take the field on Sunday. So uh, it's going to come down to. Uh, to what I think is is who's been the better coach team all year, and despite the fact that they only have two wins, I think it's the Texans. I really do. They've they're a tough team, uh, and they've proven that over the past couple of weeks against some of the top teams in the NFL. No, I'm with you. I'm I'm rolling with Houston, especially after getting blown out like that. Um, I, Nick Foles likely isn't playing, um, which is something we didn't even get into the Kayvon Thibodeau celebration of the sack, which. Yeah. He then defended to the New York media. Um, I mean, look, Kayvon Thibodeau has turned out to be a stud, but his like justification for that. You can't say that. Yeah. It was just so, especially this week yeah. of all, of all times, like I'll, I'll fuck Kayvon Thibodeau. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say that. Fuck that dude. Cause his, his comments on it were disgusting. The act itself was disgusting. That dude's a piece of, shit sorry i know we're like hyping up players right now but like dude like what are we fucking talking about here man um so it looks like it's gonna be sam ellinger um or maybe matt ryan but i don't think matt ryan has any interest in doing that so yeah i'm gonna roll with houston as well uh jets dolphins jets no longer with anything to play for dolphins without tua once again uh and no teddy bridgewater so it's gonna be skylar thompson going up against mike white it's crazy that just a couple weeks ago we thought, oh, man, this might be a really important game, and now it doesn't feel that much. The Jets are actually one-point favorite on the road. Um, I'm going to roll with the home underdog here and think that – I mean, the Jets looked really bad last week. Uh, Mike White looks like he might have lost some of it. So, I'm actually, you know what? No, I'm going to go with the Jets. I just talked to myself out. Yes. Yes. Get can amongst they, it. Can they bail us out one more time? We'll bail you out because I've been fading the Jets – Right as you started losing, like they started losing with your picks, I've been like, nope, I'm fading the Jets. So I've been riding the Jets all year, uh, and I've flown the world with them. I've seen many a thing, uh, many sights, many monuments, and I'm going to ride them again this week, uh, minus one against the Dolphins. Look, the last time they played each other, New York torched the Dolphins, led by Skylar Thompson that week with Tua Tagovailoa out. 40 to 17 was the score in that game. Uh, it was at home, however. They get the good weather of Miami this week. And and I I think 
the the Jets defense for as bad as they looked last week. That's Seattle's a tough offense to to figure out. That's been made clear in the NFL uh, so far this year, especially the way Geno's playing. So uh, no no discredit to the Jets there last week. I think it's uh, it's a pride game for them. Uh, you know, we talk about draft order and all that sort of stuff this time of year, uh, as we just did in the last one. But I'm going to go with the Jets, middle of the pack, uh, finish up at eight and nine. That's way above anybody's expectations this year, and I think they uh, they they ride out the season on a high. I think so too. I think so too. Uh, all right, that brings us to Panthers Saints, another kind of who cares game here. The Saints are three and a half point favorites at home. Um, I can say, look, like the Saints. Didn't look all that good last week. The Eagles obviously helped them a lot. Uh, and and offensively, you know, the Eagles, Gardner Minshew didn't do anything. Gardner Minshew was one of the worst-rated quarterbacks of the season last week. That's how poorly he played. Uh, and Sam Darnold's been making plays and doing stuff. I like Carolina a lot, plus three and a half here. Sam Darnold's trying to make the case as to why he should be the starting quarterback for the Panthers next year. So I'm rolling with Carolina. Yeah, their defense has been playing well, but the uh, defense for the Saints has been playing even better. Would you believe the second best defense in the NFL this season in the red zone, the New Orleans Saints? Makes sense. So, uh, so I, I think uh, the Panthers are good driving the ball down the field. Sam Donald's been good at that uh, over the past couple of weeks here since he's been reinserted as the starter. Saints shut the door in the red zone, get points when they can uh, from their defense, uh, as they did last week, and they do it uh, with Andy Dalton playing one of his better games. Uh on of the year this year to round out the season for the New Orleans Saints, who will cover the three and a half points. No, they're going to lose because that draft pick can't get any better. Um, <laughs> or can't get any worse, I should say. Uh, all right. Yeah, you need them really. <laughs> I do. Uh, Browns, Steelers, Steelers with something to play for coming off back to back, last minute, fourth quarter, final drive, game winning touchdown passes from Kenny Pickett. Uh, Steelers are two and a half point favorites. Uh, I love the Steelers here. I, I think the Browns are super fraudulent. Um, Deshaun Watson hasn't looked great. The Steelers' defense has been playing really well. And the Steelers, especially if if the Dolphins lose and the Patriots lose, Steelers make the postseason. So the Steelers have a lot to play for. The Browns don't have much at all. I'm taking Pittsburgh minus two and a half, and I'm taking the under in this game at 40 and a half as my lock of the week. Love it. I love Kenny Pickett over one and a half touchdowns too in this one. Uh, I'm with you, man. I'm taking the Steelers. Uh, they just have so much more to play for uh, in this game. The Browns offense, who has any idea what uh, what it looks like? And even if they wanted to, at this point in the season, try to revert back to what made them good is running the ball uh, steadily with Nick Chubb. You're not going to get the opportunity to do that against the Steelers defense. And you're definitely not going to get the opportunity to throw it uh, um, at, to Amari Cooper like you did last week. So yeah, I'm with the Steelers as well. All right, both on Pittsburgh. Uh, moving to the 4 o'clock window, Chargers, Broncos. Denver's actually a two-and-a-half-point favorite here. Um, <clears throat> I guess it's because they – I don't know if maybe guess the Chargers aren't playing their starters. I, I don't know. It seems a little odd because um, the Chargers aren't necessarily locked into that five seed yet. Um, but – they might know something we don't know. I obviously haven't been as up to date with who's starting who, but that line does seem weird. Um, I'm going to roll with the chargers just because I haven't seen anything that the chargers aren't playing their starters. 
so that if if it's true that it's the backups, this line makes sense. And the only thing I can think of is that Vegas just saw that like Russell Wilson looked half decent last week, um, and they challenged the the Chiefs a little bit. So they, you know, are, are giving Denver more credit. But I, I I'm going to take the Chargers. Yeah, unless, it is weird. Unless I, you can it, see anything here, because I haven't seen anything about the Chargers not playing their starters. And as we talked about with the Ravens, like they're not necessarily locked into that five seed yet. And I'd much rather be playing Jacksonville from the five seed than be playing, uh, you know, Cincinnati there in the six is the six seed or, or Buffalo in the six seed. So it seems to make a lot more sense to me. I think having said that, though, you know, your two best players on offense who you're going to rely upon are Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler. Herbert's been hurt this year already. Austin Eckler has a history of injuries and has finally stayed healthy. Is it worth even knowing that you're already in, you know, extending the play of those guys and and not giving yourself a chance in the postseason? I don't oh, think man. so. Um, you, you, you're either playing Jacksonville or Tennessee. You know, like I, that is exactly. <laughs> I mean, as I don't I mean, like as the as the as the five seed, that's who you're playing. If you're the six seed, you got to play Cincinnati or Buffalo. Yeah, more than likely yeah, to be Cincinnati. Like that's a huge difference. Yeah, it is. Um, it is, but I I, I still don't. Th- I'd rather, if it were me, I'd rather give myself a chance against a Cincinnati on the road with my best weapons than win the game, have one of those guys get hurt, which again, like the chances of that could happen are... either way though. Yeah. I exactly. guess, I guess what you're saying is protecting them this week and saying, Hey, I'd rather be fully healthy going into the first round, which I understand. But, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, and, and on top of that, the Broncos defense uh, is still one of the top, top half of the or top 12 in the league uh, in rushing defense. They only gave up one 12 a game. Uh, they've been leaning on Austin Eckler a lot. The Chargers offense has, uh, particularly the last two weeks. So um, I'll take the Broncos. The home team's 5-1 and one against the spread the last six times they've met, and the Chargers are 2-5 and five against the spread the last seven times they played each other. So Broncos. All there right, you go, Vito. Uh, all right, up next we have Arizona at San Francisco. Uh, we've covered it before. San Francisco has something to play for, and the Cardinals are starting David Blau, which probably says a lot as to how this game's going to go. I, I rolled with the Niners last week going up against the backup quarterback we hadn't seen play all year, and it burned me. I have a hard time believing it's going to happen two games in a row. Uh, the offense has still looked really good. Christian McCaffrey's playing as good as he has since his like second or third year in the league. Um, I, I like San Francisco here because, again, they win and the Eagles lose – then San Francisco is your one seed, folks. So, um, I, uh, I I think right because they would be ahead of they, they would have to lose for Dallas to become the Eagles would have to lose and San Francisco has to lose for Dallas to become the one seed. Correct. So, um, very unlikely, but still, um, yeah, I think the Niners cruise in this game. Yeah, I think there was something like a ninety percent. Uh, chance that the Niners win this game so on ESPN I believe um, when well, the FPI is always look, right sure but it's just a metric to uh to measure this stuff by but uh but look the Niners went down to Mexico City and dominated uh, a team with the Cardinals team with a backup quarterback Colt McCoy was playing in that game that defense is nastier than it, the Niners defense is nastier than it was then uh, I believe that 
this is I alluded to. I think this is one of those games you see the Niners go up two, three scores, start yanking the starters. Um, except for the quarterback, because we don't have much depth at quarterback right now. Uh, and so I think you'll see a lot of Brock Purdy still, but uh, and, and a lot of Christian McCaffrey, because we don't have a ton of depth at running back right now. But Debo Samuel coming back, you need to get in rhythm. That's a possibility, uh, a likelihood at this point, I believe. Uh, but on defense, I think you'll see a lot of uh, the depth guys and offensive line. You'll see a lot of the depth guys getting meaningful reps in a uh, in in the final week here uh, after the Niners go up a few scores and uh, fourteen. Yeah, I'll take it at home. I'll take the Niners. All right, we're both on the Niners. Uh, up next, the Rams versus the Seahawks. Seahawks are a six point favorite at home. Uh, Seahawks need this game, and there's a whole conversation to be said here about kind of how weird it is that this game because typically the NFL tries to schedule it and we'll get to this with the Cowboys and Eagles playing at the same time. Um, If there are division and or playoff implications, they try to make sure that teams don't know ahead of time, whether or not they're eliminated um, for understandable reasons. Um, But unfortunately the NFL also wants to put the best product out on Sunday night this this week, and we have a win-and-get-in situation with the Lions and Packers. Not win-and-get-in necessarily, but a, a major game, and you have a big star with Aaron Rodgers on uh, Sunday night football. So it's increasingly unlikely, um, you know, that that the, line, the Lions have a tough road. The Lions need some help. Not only do they have to beat the Packers, but they also need the Rams to pull out one big win. Um I'll say this. I think the Seahawks are going to struggle a little bit offensively against this Rams defense. Um, most teams have. The Chargers moved the ball okay against them last week. And obviously we saw what happened with uh, with the Broncos a couple weeks ago, but that was also the Broncos, and that was the you know Nathaniel Hackett firing game. Um, I kind of like Rams plus six here. I think the Rams defense is going to keep it close. And Baker is kind of good for like one good game, one shit game, one good game. Uh, and Baker's fighting for a contract and where he's going to end up next year. He wants a chance at another starting job. So uh, I'm going to roll with the Rams plus six in this game. Yes, me too. Uh, forget the Seahawks. The Rams uh, this season to me uh, are a bit of a, it's like a Rolling Stone song for me. Got a little sympathy for the devil. Uh, but anyway, Jesus <laughs> look, the, the Rams are, uh, the Rams, why not go out and ball out? I believe this is Sean McVay's probably his last year. Aaron Donald, same thing. Um, so I believe the whole thing's going to get blown up. They don't have a draft pick that's currently looking like it's going to be a top, potentially a top five, maybe a top six pick, uh, uh, but definitely a top 10 that's going to the Detroit Lions, who we'll talk about in a second um, because of the trade. So uh, at some point, something's got to give, uh, right? And and yeah. now it's just go out and play for pride in a division game, play spoiler on the road in a place that is tough to play. Hell yeah, man. That's that's something to fight for in the NFL. I'm going to take the Rams as well. And there's some crazy stat about teams playing the spoiler who are eliminated that they've won like 65% of the time that they just win outright. Um, so I, I, I think the Rams might fuck around and win this game. I really do. Yeah. Um, and that would make Sunday night even more fun. Uh, all right, we got three games left, and then we got the college football playoff champion national championship. Uh, Giants at Eagles. Philly is a 14-point favorite. I mentioned this earlier. If the Eagles are that much of a favorite, and I know Dayball said they wouldn't reveal what they're doing, Vegas knows this shit. Like, this is, this is one of the few times a year where, like, Vegas really, really does know this. 
So if we're talking about a 14 point spread and we're talking about the Eagles, you know, playing, uh, hopefully Jalen hurts like Jalen hurts is the biggest factor in here. If Jalen plays the Eagles should destroy it. Like Eagles should absolutely destroy this team. There's a great guy who does breakdowns for the Eagles. Um, who went through each play of the game and the amount of wide open wide receivers that Garner Minshew missed the amount of guys that, you know, were open on, um, yeah, or yeah. just reached that were open. He could have taken, right. There's tons of, believe stuff. me, I know <laughs> I mean, he still had almost a hundred yards. It's not a pretty big game. Yeah. But, well, it mostly um, came on one play. <laughs> the, the pick isn't available, but because they don't know whether Jalen's starting, but I love the under on Jalen Hurst hurts rushing yards in this game. Um, I think they're very worried about him getting hit and landing on that shoulder again and potentially re-injuring it. Um, and it's the Giants. And after what we saw Kayvon Thibodeau do last week, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he's going to be, you know, going after Jalen, maybe a little too aggressively, maybe a little dirty-wise. So um, that being said, I think the game's going to be closer than people think. I'm mainly just because I'm really worried that it's not going to be the the backups for the giants. I am worried about the revenge from the Nate Sudfeld uh, game where the Eagles were playing Washington. And if they beat Washington, uh, it would have prevented, uh, or if they beat Washington, the giants would have made the postseason. but if they lost the, to Washington, then Washington would have made the postseason. and the Eagles started Nate Sudfeld in this game and benched a healthy Jalen hurts. Um, and I'm wondering if there's any bad blood there. It's a different coaching staff. It's a different team. Um, I think the Giants are happy to be in the playoffs and would rather be in the dance. So I think it's going to be the backups. Um, but just for my own sanity's sake, not to mention we did see this Eagles team destroy the starters by about 30 if just a few weeks ago. Um, but I'm still going to roll with uh, the Giants plus 14. Yes, that's a good pick, my friend. Uh, sorry, Philly. Super dog of the week. Giants went out right. Uh, oh, you're such an asshole. You're such an asshole. <laughs> Giants dude. went out, right? The Niners get the one seed. How about that? No, no I, uh, that's look. why you're making the pick. You're wishful thinking. <laughs> no, it's not. The Giants are five and one as road dogs this year. I think they're going to start their starters. Uh, <laughs> and, and I and I believe that they, uh, they, they've played Philadelphia well over the past few years. I believe they're. Uh, they're what happened three feeling... weeks ago? What happened three weeks ago, Scott, in, in the Meadowlands? How badly did the Eagles win that game? By about third. Yeah. And that won. was with the starters. And that was in the Meadowlands. Don't give me whatever happened four years ago. All right. Give me something that's fucking relevant. <laughs> Get your wishful thinking ass out of here. You know the Giants aren't winning this game. Now that's me being wishful thinking. But <laughs> oh. <laughs> he spoke it into the universe, people. That means the Giants superdog wait, is intact. Finding one is really wait. there it is. That's yeah. me knocking on wood. Uh, Giants five and one as road dogs. Big point spread. The Eagles don't do well with uh, with large point spreads like, like this so far this year. Uh, similar to the Chiefs. Yeah. So I'm going to take the uh, I'm going to take the Giants as well. It's been about fifty fifty with big spreads like that for the Birds this year. So um, I don't know if it's the backups and Jalen plays. I think the Eagles go up big and then they bench Jalen for the fourth quarter. But oh, all yeah. right, <clears throat> uh, two more games. Dallas at Washington. Washington seven point home dog starting Sam Howell seeing if they have anything there that, you know, they should have done it last week, but or they should have just kept rolling with Heineke. Um, I want Washington to win this game so fucking bad, like so Same. fucking bad. And you know what? I think there's a chance that they do. 
Because again, it's another situation. You got a seven point home underdog with a chance to play spoiler within the division against the hated Dallas Cowboys. I wish Heineke was playing in this game because if it was Heineke, I would 100% be betting commander's money line. Um, But it's Sam Howell, who I like Sam Howell. He was fun in college. Uh, And I think we might see a little rookie magic in his first start. So I'm going to roll with the uh, Washington football team because that's still what they are to me and will be forever uh, going with the commanders. I'm with you too. I think this is going to be a, a tough game on look, the commanders don't want to go out. Look, we, they know how much turmoil is going to go on in the off season um, already. Uh, it's going to be stressful enough. So do what you can on the football field. The last time you're out there this season uh, with the boys, the defense has been getting better and better and better each week, especially with chase young coming back. Uh, I think, I think it's going to be a tough game. I think they're going to, they're going to make the, Dallas defense do a lot of things or offense do a lot of things that they don't want to do and run the game through Dak um, and not allow them to establish a run game with the, with the commander's stout defensive line. I'm going to take the commanders minus seven, probably super dogs. Um, commanders if, plus if, seven. If we're being on uh, plus seven, I'm sorry, as, as super dogs, I'm going to use this as my prop bet as well. Uh, late in the game. I think it's going to be a really good, defensive contest i'm gonna take the under at 41 hmm. all right scotty's on the under at 41 and a half i also think starters the the cowboys have uh struggled against the against really good pass rushing teams this year um with the exception of the eagles uh in the second meeting but other than that good pass rushers have have made the the cowboys uh struggle a bit so um yeah i think the commanders get after him i think they force uh, Dak into a lot of bad possessions, and I think Dak makes a couple mistakes, and I think the Commanders find a way to win. Uh, and that leaves us with our last game of the 2022 regular season. Uh, the Lions at the Packers. The Packers win, and they're in. They steal the seven seed uh, and would have a matchup with whoever the two seed is. Right now, the Packers are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And, look, it's going to be 30 degrees in uh in green bay this week lambeau field is gonna be cold it's gonna be rowdy and i love this team and i know they can move the ball and if this game was in detroit i would pro i would 100 be taking the lions and if the seahawks win and the lions get eliminated you still know that they're going to want to play spoiler as bad as anything but jared goff in the cold weather in a big time game on sunday night football spells not good things for the Detroit Lions. I'm going with the Packers, covering the spread of four and a half. I'm with you too, man. When Aaron Rodgers went on McAfee's show this week and uh, he was talking about how, uh, you know, he doesn't listen to the narrative. And yeah, every quarterback says that. We get it. But Aaron Rodgers is different, right? You only worry about the game in front of you. Uh, like all, all the 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 same old rhetoric we hear from every quarterback, but Aaron Rodgers is going out there and doing it. There's not, it's not, you know, it's not a, a fluke that they've won uh, five of the last seven games, right? And it was against this Lions team where this this kind of turned around. Like a, when we recap that game, I thought that was one of the worst games that Aaron Rodgers played, uh, and and that's where I thought they were done because it was like Aaron Rodgers was making bad decisions. I uh, didn't look himself. So ever since then, he's proven us and, and everybody else that's written the Packers off completely dead wrong. So 
uh, I'd be a fool to uh, to bet against him this week. Uh, Jared Goff does not play well in, in cold weather. He's proven that uh, over the uh, over the past you know during the fall and winter here where it, when it's been cold out. Uh, the under of on uh, on passing yards for him is at two fifty two and a half. Ooh. I would hammer that. Yeah. Um, uh, as well, uh, if you're looking for for additional prop bets besides what we've told you, uh, but in, in the game, I think the Packers, it, it's right there in front of them. And usually, when that's the case, Aaron Rodgers goes out and gets it, uh, especially the way they've been playing over the past few weeks. So I'm going to take the Packers too. All right, we're on the pack. That does it for our regular season. We picked, I at least picked every single game. Uh, Scotty picked most of them. Vito, and eh, probably about forty percent. Uh, you know, Vito. It was last year. Vito had a <laughs> Vito had a busy fall. We'll say that, and hopefully, we get our boy back on here uh, soon as uh, as his schedule lightens up. But uh, with that, let's go to the final college football game of the year. Number three, TCU. Um, st- I mean, we talked about it again. The lost tape uh, from from Tuesday show. Um, no, that was supposed to be Tuesday show. Uh, two unbelievable semifinals. Just unbelievable games. Uh, Stetson Bennett struggling, loses his confidence, and yet still finds a way to come back and bring that Georgia team back. The missed field goal right at midnight was electric. Uh, TCU, you know, Michigan gets hosed by that non-touchdown call. I still don't understand that. Um, just a whole bunch of weirdness in this game. TCU had, what, two pick sixes, right? It was a bizarre game, but awesome awesome college football games the kind of shit that would just never happen in an nfl game or if it does it happens like once every few years um which is what makes college football amazing uh but that leaves us with a tcu and georgia national championship um which no one will believe me now in hindsight but i was going to take tcu uh, as the underdog in that game um but of course i forgot to make the pick so you know people are just going to say i was doing you know playing the hindsight but i was going to take tcu there i liked how they matched up. I thought it was going to be closer. Georgia, however, is a whole different ball game. Uh, right now, the Bulldogs are minus 12 and a half going into the national championship game. It's at SoFi stadium. Uh, I'm really excited for this game. Uh, I think TCU is going to have a chance here to keep it close. I really do think that. Um, but if TCU is going to be in this game, it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball, which I think will sound counterintuitive to people, right? Because you're talking about just amazing Georgia defense, how good it is. Yes, Georgia's defense is good. Michigan's defense was also really good. Uh, We saw the way that Michigan was able to shut down that Ohio State offense that just lit up Georgia a week ago. TCU has the weapons. They have the quarterback. They run the best option game in college football. Max Duggan is elite at reading the option plays. And it's not just two options, right? Every single run and pass option that they have has – anywhere from four to eight different reads off of it. And Max Duggan does it like a fucking pro Um, like Jalen hurts level of understanding how to read, you know, run read option offenses, Um, which many people consider to be just like, Oh, it's just two options, right? Keep it or run it. It's like, no, if you hand it off based off of certain things, the offensive line has different reads and there's so many different variations of read offenses. Now Um, it's not just one, two or three options. It it can get upwards of six to seven to eight different options, depending on how the play roll, you know, ends up. Um, and I think that's going to, you know, force Georgia's defense to play really outstanding football. Um, Deuce Vaughn is one of the best running backs in the country and he will absolutely be a, you know, one of the top running backs taken, uh, probably not a first round pick, but probably a top two or three round pick. 
Um, and I look at, but when I say TCU needs to defend it on the defensive side, Art Munkin, the offensive coordinator for, um, for Georgia, he's going to want TCU to bite. He's going to want them to load up the box. He's going to want to have these off balance sets. So Stetson Bennett can run play action and bootleg off and run and run little keepers where he pulls it on the option, can run up the sidelines for 30 yards at a clip. That's what he's going to want TCU to do. TCU has to play back. They have to play to the best of their abilities in their normal standard defense, just, you know, disguise their coverages, generate as much pressure as they can tackle the ball and find a way to try and force Stetson Bennett to be uncomfortable and force a couple turnovers. And if TCU can do that, they're going to be in this game. Um, I'm not confident that they're going well, to do that, but Ohio I, state did that for three and a half quarters. So, and, and look what happened, right? Georgia yeah. reps off 21 points in the fourth quarter and comes back and has an unbelievable game. So I, I really want to pick TCU to cover here. I love this TCU team, but my gut's telling me after having two amazing semifinals that we're going to have a dud of a national championship and Georgia's going to blow them out. Um, but I don't want that for Max Duggan because I do think Max Duggan is a stud, but that's where my gut's telling me. Where are you at with this? I think it's going to be a, a similar game to to what we saw in the both semifinal games. Uh, high scoring, uh, defense obviously on both sides uh, of this matchup has to make adjustments. But I think, you know, Georgia's defense, and we talked about this uh, in the, uh, in the archive tape, uh, Georgia's defense got exposed. Right. And I think uh, TCU with Max Duggan is, is going to be able to exploit that again uh, uh, on offense. Look, these are two similar quarterbacks, similar stories. Nobody thought that they would be where they are. No, let alone in a championship game playing against each other. Everybody's written off TCU. I think they enjoy the uh, the rhetoric of being the underdog, and I think they'll use that to their advantage on the both sides of the ball. Baby. The hypnotoad, baby. The Yeah, I think they'll use that to their advantage on both sides of the ball in this one. When the line came out at 12.5, it hasn't moved since uh, since uh, New Year's Eve when it came out. Well, I guess New Year's Day, technically, because uh, it was yeah. after midnight. Um, and, and so... Which means I, the I, money I, is being bet about about split. Yeah, I'm going to take TCU. I think they're they're to cover. I think their their ability to be able to uh, to play well on defense and make adjustments after they've given up a big game on the ground, which they did against Michigan over 200 yards. Uh, I think they're really good at that. They're five uh, five and zero against the spread this year. When that happens, uh, and I think they'll be able to to limit Stetson Bennett uh, a little bit uh, as much as they can and make him force him to make the plays, which I, I think Stetson Bennett can. And I think that's why it's going to be a high scoring game, yeah. uh, but I'm going to take TCU to cover. I hope you're right. I really do. But you said something pretty key there, which was that Ohio state was able to figure out and expose the weak points of Georgia's defense. You know who TCU doesn't have? Marvin Harrison Jr. And what happened when Marvin Harrison Jr. got knocked out of that game? Yeah. Ohio State's offense went to a stop. Now, TCU's got some good wide receivers, and they got Deuce Vaughn, and they got plenty of talent at that position, but they don't have a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. And I love Max Duggan, and Max Duggan's going to go to the NFL after this. You know who's going to be a one, number one or number two overall pick? C.J. Stroud. You know who's not going to be a number one or number two overall pick? 
Max yeah. Duggan. Now, Max Duggan, could he be like in that Kenny Pickett spot late first round? Maybe, especially if they end up keeping this game close. I think it's going to be really hard. And I think TCU has to play a flawless game and they have to generate turnovers and they're going to have to get lucky. And that's a lot to ask. Georgia's a powerhouse. I think Georgia steamrolls them. And I think it's a dud of a national championship. So I'm going to go with Georgia um, to cover the 12 and a half. But you know what? If I'm wrong and this is an awesome game, I will be through the roof because I love this TCU team. I love Sonny Dykes. I love Max Duggan. I love the the hypno toad. I love everything about this TCU run. Um, and they really are the epitome of the like the Cinderella, right? And you don't see that in college football. You don't see the Cinderella no. story. Um, it's reserved but, for basketball. <laughs> but if we've known one thing about Cinderella's in basketball, they never win the national title. They always lose in the final four, the elite eight. Gonzaga. <laughs> I mean, the closest one that actually won it would be Villanova. But they were an eight seed, and they were in the Big East, and they were a really good team that year. I mean, North Carolina last year. But they lost. Yeah. Uh, uh, UConn, Butler. they won the title? Seven yeah, that, seed? Yeah, that was a weird year, though. You t- I mean, the the, uh, the Butler year, the Gordon Hayward year against Duke. Yeah. But again, Cinderella's don't win in college basketball, and I don't think – the first year we have a true Cinderella in the national championship in football, I don't think it's going to happen. I think talent rolls out. I think T- Georgia wins this game. However, Brock Bowers is banged up. Uh, Darnell Washington's banged up. That's going to be tough. You know, Georgia needs those guys. But they also have three different skill position dudes coming off the bench who missed the majority of the year who are just flat-out tracksuit stars. Uh, and yeah, that's well, going to be tough. So. I- <laughs> It's what you get when you have a, a top three recruiting class in the country. Yeah, that's what you get when you're Georgia and Kirby Smart and you just won the national championship. So, all right, that's all we got in the pod day. Thank you all for listening, hanging out with us. Um, I hope you guys enjoy the conversation about DeMar Hamlin. Obviously, our thoughts and prayers are still with him. Um, I hope you enjoyed mm-hmm. us taking a break from that and talking a little ball and, and trying to enjoy, you know, a sport that we all love. Um, keep DeMar Hamlin in your prayers. Uh, and, and keep the Buffalo Bills and the Bengals and everyone associated with your thoughts and prayers as well. Enjoy week 18. Um, and hopefully by the next time we talk to you guys, we will have um, some better news. We'll have some better news and uh, we'll probably push back recording so we can talk about the national championship. Um, so either we'll record Tuesday, might have a Wednesday pod next week, or uh, we'll see how adventures we get. Maybe we'll stay up late, but I, I have a feeling that's probably not going to happen. So, Uh, We will talk to you guys next week. Um, Love on your people. And uh, as we always say, and, uh, and take it easy, everybody. Be well.